So you never wanted kids before you met me? Absolutely not. That was not in the cards for me. That was not my path. That was not my journey. That was not for me ever. And I remember knowing that at a very young age. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Eden. And I'm Jay. And welcome to Eden Next Jay Unfiltered, the podcast where we have created a safe and sexy space to have unfiltered conversations. You might, bleh. <laughs> we might be the same sex, but we have different opinions. And if you haven't yet, and I don't know why you haven't, go follow us on social at EdenXJ, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, everything. There's a lot of fun, crazy wild sexy scary things happening over there as well so also stay until the end because we have some exciting news <laughs> that's all you're gonna tease them yeah it's super exciting i know it involves the city of la oh, and us my goodness dun, dun, dun. you've been waiting like jay has been itching to break this news to you all so definitely don't miss it because she's really really excited about mm-hmm, this new project mm-hmm. i'm ready i'm a little terrified <laughs> But we're going to be fine. I think that's just like my saying. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. We're like that meme with the dog. Oh, everything's the, on fire. Yeah, the flaming house. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Uh, well, welcome back to our podcast. For those of you who are listening and for those of you who are watching this beautiful podcast space, we're super excited to be here and be back. Mm-hmm. This episode, honestly, we tend to try to keep this episode going with what's naturally going in our life at the moment. And we had um, some unfortunate news. Uh, Our last appointment that we had at our fertility doctor, Um, we'll get into those, what happened and those results, but I feel like fertility is such a big conversation that not a lot of women are talking about and talking about openly. Um, And so we figured since this is unfiltered, and we need to create some safe space to be able to have these types of conversations mm-hmm. in our journey. And thank you for all of you who have been following along with it. And we do know that there are people who are new here. The journey was wild and it was rough. It still is. It still is. It's still going. <laughs> what do you mean it was? It's still going. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we. Sh- I think we should create some safe space to be able to talk about it and talk about our journey. Yes. And this might be a two-part. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) we will start from the very beginning because F is for fertility and we are in February. So (laughs) how cute. Fertility February. I love it. We're going to coin it that now. It's fertility February, y'all. I love like it's crazy thinking back, right? Like having to go all the way back. We've come so far and we're still I feel like only halfway there. Mm -hmm. But the reason why we also want to make this a two part series is because there's so much information that we have learned going yep. into making a baby, you know, and, and getting control of our fertility and figuring out where we stand. So we figured we would break it up into two sections. Part one is basically everything up into leading into IVF. And then part two will be specifically to where we're at, now. where we're at now with IVF. So, Perfect. So let's kick it off. Buckle baby up cakes. babies and baby makers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so let's start from the very beginning. Yes, I, I'll ask you first. Oh, you can ask yeah. me. Okay, I love the dominance when? over here. Yeah, I'm working on it as a Pisces. <laughs> okay. When did you know you wanted kids? When did I know I wanted kids? Yeah. Um, with you. Really? I was, yeah, with you. So you never wanted kids before you met me? Absolutely not. 
that was not in the cards for me. That was not my path. That was not my journey. That was not for me ever. And I remember knowing that at a very young age. Mm. Um, I remember other girls in my like class in high school and junior high and stuff, and they were like, oh, I can't wait to be a mom, or I'm looking forward to that time. That was just never a feeling that I mm. ever had. And personally, I just felt like, I don't know, I wanted to be just this hot you wanted supermodel, to be the yeah. like the rich aunt that would like come every Christmas and like spoil my nieces and nephews and cousins and, and then stuff. bounce and then leave and then go <laughs> be in Bali somewhere. You know, like that was my journey. That was my life. Wow, we've come a long way. I know. And it was, I think the hardest part is I was so like as a Gemini, and we've kind of talked about this, like I'm very stubborn mm-hmm. and I was very stubborn with my mom. And like we would bump heads on this a lot. My dad, not so much because he was like, cool, you never want to get married and have kids. I'm down with being the only man in your life. You know, like I don't have to worry about any other guy. And I was like, yeah, never. Like, that's just not for me. And then my mom, like she really had this idea. I think she was holding on to ever since Mm. I was born of like the perfect wedding and the, you know, the baby dreams. And so when I told her that, you know, I was gay and that, having kids is just not in the cards for me ever and getting married is not in the cards for me ever I think that really broke her heart more than the gay thing Mm. I think she just really had to process a lot of loss in that moment and I could have eased her into it but I think I just I just ripped the band-aid off of everywhere Mm -hmm. of how I felt and I I understand now why she was so hurt and sad for a long time and I empathize with that and I think the hardest thing for me to really realize is when she died and when she got cancer, one of the last things she told me was, I'm okay with you never having kids and never wanting to get married. And she accepted that. Right. And I think I waited so long for her acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason why I get teary-eyed is because like, it made me happy in the moment mm-hmm. because that's all I wanted from her. But I just wish she was here so I can tell her that she was right and I was wrong. And I never like to admit that I'm wrong because <laughs> I'm a Gemini. <laughs> but she's also watching from wherever she's at. Yeah, I know. So it's not like she doesn't know. She, you know, she knows. I feel like 100% that she sent you into my life. Um, and I think that's that's what makes her death easier, right? Is knowing that if I had her, I wouldn't have you. So no matter how much I want her back, I can't change that part of my life and my journey. Mm-hmm. And that makes accepting it a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, I think life takes things away from you to give you something greater. And you don't see that in the moment when it's hard. And I have a great opportunity because my whole life changed my right idea of marriage changed because I couldn't wait to get married to you. My idea of kids changed because now I'm excited and we're going through this whole journey and hoops and all that stuff with with kids and there's there's nobody in this world I'd want to be doing this with other than you. And it's been a roller coaster and I feel like we just got started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, that was a very long-winded way of saying a you <laughs> made me change my mind um, because I was very stubborn and not not wanting that journey for me. 
So what about you? <laughs> <laughs> All right, I I feel like we need to process. You feeling um, okay? Yeah. Okay. No. I feel great. I mean, these aren't sad tears. Yeah. You know, they're no. they're really. Ha- I'm I'm happy to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like I'm processing that. You know, she's not going to be here, and I think that's the hardest part. Is that the moments of us like planning our wedding and the moments that I wish. I could go to her to ask questions about, you know, things that I am i don't know as a mom. You know, like, what does this mean? Like, what happens if their poop is this yeah. color? Or like, <laughs> what do I do if this happens? Would they swallow something? Like, yeah. do I have to do a tracheotomy on the spot? Like, I don't, you know, I'm going to have all these questions and I never imagined a world where I wouldn't have her to be right. able to ask those questions. And, you know, I think that's just the only sad part. It's, yeah. But it's not like she's not here because I do have, you know, I do feel like she's she's just. I feel like she's up in the universe, just chilling <laughs> with our future kids. Yeah, like waiting for them to drop, right? <laughs> she's just hanging out, and you know, I think she's having the best time with you know their spirit. And you know, when that time comes, when she has to to give them away, I'm I'm. It's crazy. I had a weird dream, and I think. I don't really dream a lot about my mom, mm-hmm. but when I do, I always feel like it's a little extra special. And I, there was a moment where um, she, I was mad at her for something. Like we bumped heads a lot. Yeah. And she, she, we were in the hospital and she took the baby and she took the baby in a car seat and left. And I was like so upset with her and I finally found her and she, she put the baby down and she gave it was a him. Mm-hmm. It was so strange. <laughs> it was a baby boy, and she put the car seat down, and she said, um, "It's your turn now." Like I've had so much fun hanging out with him, but it's it's time for me to give him to you now, and you're gonna be wow. fine. And I remember her saying, "Like you're gonna be fine." And then she rode off into the sunset in this like really cool classic car <laughs> with. Paul, her her spouse of 20 years, because yeah. um, he just wh- recently passed away. He also died of cancer. I lost my mom and my stepdad within a year of each other. But I truly believe like he died of a broken heart because being without her was too hard. Right. And I lost both of them to cancer. And like it was really cool to see them like ride off in this like classic car. And she had beautiful hair. And it was just like this amazing moment. And um, it makes it easier when I feel lost or yeah. when I feel like a little bit scared to do this without her because like you said like I'm not doing it without her. you're not and we <laughs> have chosen family that part too. so I, I just I feel like everybody's gonna step up and and help <laughs> as they can you know There's so many questions I'm <laughs> such a data person <laughs> yeah you are but enough about me what about you I think I'm the complete opposite I knew I wanted to be a parent early on I kind of had those early, um, those feelings. Yeah, fantasies (laughs) of of wanting to raise a child and wanting to have like a happy ending. But for me, it was never. I need like the perfect partner. Mm. I I just knew I wanted to be a parent with or without someone. Yeah, and I knew that when that time came, if I had a partner, great. But if I didn't, I would still be a good parent. Yeah. Um. So the idea of having two parents was never like, oh, it needs to happen this way for me to start my family. I'm so curious because growing up with your mom was so intense. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you know that you wanted to do that journey as well, even though 
that the craziest upbringing toxic latin dynamic was strong yeah like i I can't say that i would feel the same yeah um, if i was in your shoes so i'm just curious i think that's a great question i had one of the worst upbringings as you know i was sent away for being gay when i was 15 um across country to live with like my dad who i hadn't seen since i was seven so that was like not only a culture shock but just a an overall shock in general. Um, and I, till this day, I don't talk to my mom. So it's not the best uh, yeah. relationship. But I think for me, it's the fact that I had not the best mom and I turned out all right. Yeah. So <laughs> I can only imagine how amazing our kid will grow up to be with two pretty awesome parents. Oh. And I think that's what keeps me motivated is that and why I want, you know, to start our family is because we need better people in this world. And if I can bring one more, why not? <laughs> you know? I feel like our kid's going to change the world. But I'm just biased. I hope so. <laughs> We're going to be those parents. Cut to like <laughs> 10 know, years okay. from now. We're like, damn, this guy's crazy. And <laughs> all the best. In all the best ways, I hope. Changes the world to the positive. <laughs> um, but, you know, this journey that we've been on, if we have to take it all the way back to the beginning, when do you think was the pivotal moment when we decided, okay, mm. we should have this conversation? Yeah. We should start having this conversation? I think for us, we started having the conversation of kids like right after the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think the pandemic really put a lot of things into perspective. Yeah. You know, like we eloped, we bought a house instead. We tried to do, um, we tried to set ourselves up for financial freedom and kind of start break that cycle as well Mm -hmm. um, and start having our own future. Yeah. But I think that once the pandemic happened, we were just, everything switched. Yeah. So for me, I had never thought about, it's crazy because when I think about fertility, I always assumed that I would just be ready to go when I was ready, Mm -hmm. you know? So maybe whenever we were financially and like capable and like we had the time to, I would just pop out a baby. Like I was so naive to think, you know what people say like oh there's never a perfect time to have a baby yeah i feel like no, the, yeah totally I, I, that was a very naive wish list for you to have but i love it i know but i think everything once i realized that we should start this process and we looked into it i realized how insane mm-hmm. the process is and yeah. how much time money effort research it takes and mm-hmm. how many options you have I, I think I wish it was a little bit more romantic how we came to this decision because I I think I remember, I'm going to go back in my phone. I think I took a note, right? Probably. Um, I think I asked you, you know, what is what are your future goals and what, you know, what do you want in the next two, five, ten years? And then you said you wanted kids. You did say you wanted to be married. And I was like, okay, mathematically, I think here's the right, timeline i remember this yeah, right? yeah you sent me I, I a text like- <laughs> of okay cool if this is what you want this these are the the years and the goals that we have to hit and this was like five dates into this yeah it, was it wasn't very anything. early on i think i was still unpacking my u-haul when i was mm-hmm. like cool what's your you know what's your plan what do you want and then you're like okay i want kids i want to get married i want to buy a house i'm like okay if we get married it's going to be between year one and two if we have kids it's between year 
three and four. And if you buy a house, it's year five. And then I think you rearranged some things. I did because I said, I don't want to raise kids in an apartment. Mm -hmm. So we need to move move the the house house up up. and then move things around. And then move it down one. Yeah. That wasn't very romantic, but I I had a a blueprint and Mm -hmm. and a rough timeline for when you wanted to make this happen. And I'm very much a numbers person. So I think I went heavy into research. How long does the process of, you know, doing IVF take or for Mm -hmm. two gay women to have babies, like roughly take? And it takes about, and I I remember the estimate being around like two to like, could be like six to eight years or something like that. Depending on where you are. Depending on where you are, what your plan is and all that stuff. And that's I why like, I love you. You're so type A. Aww. I'm just the dreamer. I'm like, I just want the kids. So that's all I want. I'm and like, you're like, well, in order cool. to do the kids, we need to do A, B, C through Z, and then we'll have the kids. Here's the map. And yeah. this is what we need to follow to get there. I was like, okay, you want to have a baby? Like, this is how it has to happen. So I think the timeline was about two to three years. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do the math. I was like, so that means we need to start now in order to hit that two or three year mark, not start in two or three years. You got to start now because it'll take us two to three years to get there. And then I think I started crunching the numbers about how much it was going to cost. Which is not cheap, y'all. I think uh, Google was like estimating a minimum of 20 to upwards of $20,000. Yeah, total. All in. And... I was like, okay, so I need to make more money. I need to quit my job. Mm -hmm. I need to like move things along. And I think in six months, I I went from making, I don't know, like – Sixty-five to seventy thousand a year to like six. I think you made less than that. I made. I think very you were little. like at fifty I to w- high sixties when we met. I was in like the entertainment industry, yeah. but I was comfortable. I think it was just me. Yeah, I didn't need a lot. You and your bunny. Me and my bunny. You know, she ate very little. I didn't eat very much too because it was just coffee at that time. And for microwave me. dinners. And microwave dinners. I didn't have the good life and the good meals then, but it was like enough. And then when I met you. I really took a big look at my life. I was like, this isn't good enough for you. I need to step it up. Like, I need to be the wife and the mother and the person that you need if you want all these things. So that's what I did. I was like, quick, this is now my life plan. I need to make six figures. I need to do this. I need to do that. So I put my things in motions and changed right. what I needed to. And then with the baby planning process, I kind of t- took a over like an overhead look. And I was like, okay. I don't know if realistically coming up with $20,000 all up front is going to be realistic for our timeline. What if we broke it up, right? right? What if we broke it up into segments? And what if we started with the sperm donor Mm -hmm. and finding a sperm donor and that would kind of cost us roughly, you know. It really depends. When it comes to a donor, it it varies. It can start at like $500. Mm -hmm. A vial all the yeah. way up to 2500 a vial. Yeah. It really depends on what the qualities that you're looking mm-hmm. for, what, you know, what donor company you go yeah. through, fertility company. How many? How need? many do you actually need? So it, we were, it was, it was still going to be expensive though. It was still going to be upwards yeah. of like five grand maybe. Yeah. We were looking at that. So I was like, okay, let's break it up. Let's do a sperm donor and let's check our fertility. Like the first year. Status. Like let's start there. Do we have time? Are we good? Do we can we like kick back a little bit, or is the doctor going to be like, 
yesterday get on this yeah. <laughs> like hurry up you are not fertile myrtle like you're dried up you right. know so we were just kind of shooting in the dark and we didn't know what direction so at least like let's have a plan right and I, I just wanted a plan i wanted the doctors to give us some data so they can tell us where we stand right. in our fertility journey while also simultaneously looking for sperm. And let me tell you, looking for a sperm was not easy because like this podcast, we had <laughs> very different opinions when it came to what our sperm donor needed to be, look like. And please share with the audience, <laughs> what was your criteria? Because just so y'all know, it took us six months. Yeah. Six months to agree on a sperm donor. Yes. And then I think another couple months to find said sperm donor. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'll start off with my qualifications. Okay. What I cared most about was that their health was clean. So there was no <laughs> cancerous, diabetes, heart issues. I really cared about the history of their health. And the second thing that I was very, that was very important was I wanted curly hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's because it? I have curly hair. Yeah, yeah. And I really wanted the baby to also have curly hair. Okay, so those were my only two. No genetic mutations and curly hair, which I think hair. is very important. Okay. I could have dropped the curly hair, I guess. We could have talked about it, but I, those were my two. Did you end up dropping the curly no, hair? No, nope. definitely not. Exactly. We had to find a donor because with curly hair Eden, <laughs> because Eden came through with this laundry list of requirements. I mean, if I'm gonna pay for it, it might as well be what I want. <laughs> Please tell the audience what you wanted in your donor. Okay, it wasn't like a crazy. I also cared about like, no cancers, no diabetes no yes, none yes. of that um I just wanted them to be an athlete because I was an athlete mm -hmm. back back in the day <laughs> not like a crazy a I, did, I ran in a circle what? I did you track. did really well you <laughs> got a scholarship for running a partial scholarship that's crazy. that's a lot oh thank you uh yes I did used to run and I really loved being a part of a team and having that sportsman like experience and I really would love to be that type of mm -hmm. mom too I would love to do athletic things with our kids and run and all that stuff. So athlete was one of them. Mm -hmm. And then I really wanted somebody like six foot or taller. So no short kings here. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the short king. <laughs> and the odds of it working, it still isn't like 100%. But I was just saying like, I wish I was taller. And I just want to give them the opportunity. And I read, there was like a scientific article that I go. read that Tall people tend to be more successful or get paid more in corporate jobs because you physically have to look up to them. And so they just like generate <laughs> respect by default. So I just wanted to give them the most like uplift in. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but it wasn't mandatory. If right. we found one that was shorter than six foot, I still would have been down. No, she wouldn't have been. And she wasn't down because our donor is six two. Six four. Six four, if that tells you anything about her requirements. But I also wanted, like, when you came up with your height requirement, it really made me think because I'm 5'2", and I'm the one that's going first. <laughs> so I can't imagine, like, he's going to be three and, like, already taller than me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or she. They. They, they. will be. Way taller than me at like three years. Yeah, but then they can reach stuff off the top shelf for us <laughs> by like I guess. <laughs> Let's go with more of your qualifications. No, I think those are like my my major ones. Uh -uh, that, uh, you're missing some. I am? Colored eyes. Oh, that didn't have Dimples. to be. Dimples. That was just like if it was there. 
<laughs> I love I how nonchalant dimples. she is now. I have dimples and like my family has colored eyes. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, you know, that would be cool. Not mandatory. <laughs> but we got really lucky. We I wouldn't did. say really lucky. It was really freaking hard. Yeah. And, it, and it really wasn't the superficial, like nitpicky things about their sperm donor. It was finding somebody that was clear of everything. Like, yeah. Diseases, cancers, and mutations in their DNA. It was really hard. We went through four different donor companies yeah. as far as like Denmark. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we were going to go to Sweden, we go to Denmark. Sweden. We we were we felt like we were running out of options. Like we were just never going to find him, yeah. like the donor. And we were really struggling out there until um, California Cryobank. Yeah, we ended up. Um, you know, reaching out to them and finding out more about their criteria and their safety for not only the people purchasing the sperm, but the sperm donors themselves. And I I think you were really obsessed with their feature of yes. the celebrity lookalike. Yes. <laughs> so if you go on California Cryobank, it's like Tinder. You jump <laughs> in and they have celebrity lookalikes with the sperm donor and what the they look like when they were kids or as adults yeah so that was really cool to swipe through and see like do you want a ryan gosling or do you want um <laughs> you jason think? momoa yes like, <laughs> uh, i was like no i do not want a jason momoa <laughs> but i appreciate it it was really it was a really cool feature and i also loved their acceptance rate it was harder for donors to get into california cryobank than, oh, yeah. than you get into harvard yeah like they they the have, acceptance rate was yeah so low. it's insane so I, I think that made me feel a lot better. Yeah. And they had this really cool feature where the donor could leave an item of their choice, whether oh, that's like yeah. a letter or a craft or something that they do mm-hmm. to give to the child once the child is born. So it's yeah. like, um, you know, there like was, a keepsake. There was one that was really cool. It was a watchmaker. Yeah. He was a contender, but I think he ended up selling out before yes. we pulled the trigger. Which is another thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> um, he was a watchmaker and I think he left a watch. For confirmed pregnancy. Yeah, which I thought that was was so cool. But, I mean, that was another thing. Whenever we would find a donor, we would talk about it that night over dinner. And that morning when we were ready to pull the plug, it was done. Gone. Sold out completely. Mm -hmm. And it it was so disheartening because then we realized once you find someone, you just – you have to make the choice. Yeah, right there. And and buy it and and go because by the time you look the next morning, it'll be gone. Yeah. And we – kept one striking out and two it was really again hard to find somebody with with no cancers in the background because like with my history and my family it just I didn't want to run the risk and the superficial stuff I think went out the window at a certain point we were like let's just have a healthy baby yeah like at this freaking point we're so we're so mentally exhausted and emotionally exhausted of Getting it we felt kept like we falling in love. <laughs> yeah, we kept. It's like yeah, when you buy a you house, buy a house and, you and then you fall out of an escrow, offer and then you get denied. Like some, they, they choose somebody else, or like somebody else bought it before you did, and it was just so disheartening. Yeah. We would fall in love, and we're like imagining this thing, and then find out that it was gone. They yeah. they were all sold out, and then I think one night because we were started swiping more on sperm donors than we were on Instagram at a certain <laughs> point. <laughs> And we, yeah. it was like in the middle of the night, you were cooking dinner. We were just like, okay, like three more swipes. And you found him. Yeah. Yeah. And then we took right out there, that credit card, card real fast. Like so, so fast because on his profile, it said limited supply yep. and was retired. And he met all of their requirements. Like every, like it was just 
magic. Yep. He was an athlete. He was an athlete. He had curly hair. Curly hair. Uh, he was your height. He was my height. No, no medical history. Yeah. Him, his family, completely clean. And it was just, it instantly fell in love with his profile. Like hearing his story, hearing his interview, yeah. like the type of person that he is. And he already has two daughters, which is really cool. And then talking about how they are and how they naturally were athletes growing up and they just gravitated towards gymnastics and I just thought that was so cool. That was another cool feature from the California Cryobank was that the donor left a really lengthy questionnaire mm-hmm. where the interviewer would ask, you know, what's your favorite memory yeah. uh, growing up and what was your college experience like or tell mm-hmm. me, you know, um, what kind of person you yeah. are and it was really cool to read about him. Yeah. He seemed like a guy that we would be friends with now. Yeah. He seemed like somebody that was more balanced. Yeah. I think one of my favorite things I remember reading about um, our our donor is that he just seemed like very calm. Like when we heard about his, like heard his interview voice, he just seemed very chill and very calm. I was like, wow, that is the opposite of us. Like I hope, (laughs) (laughs) I hope like, because I don't want another one of us because I feel like if we are a family of just instant hypers like we there's no one bringing us down we're all just gonna lift each other up and then I don't know set something on fire but so we need some calmness right. in our lives so I was like wow that's the opposite of us yes yeah. like perfect take my credit card like let's just go and like yeah. get all of his sperm and so we, we locked were, that in we locked him in we were so happy and, and then he went straight to our hospital yes to and our we, doctor's office to figure out how we can get checked and I think this was pandemic time Mm -hmm. this was like deep 2020 and you and I both tried to get an appointment to get our fertility check because we have Kaiser and we were trying to figure out okay where do we stand Mm -hmm. and I think I was impatient and I was like I don't care first available doctor guy girl doesn't matter like give me who you just want your numbers I just want to figure this out (laughs) and I'm the complete opposite when it comes to doctors, mm-hmm. I always look for the person of color in network, always. And if that means having a six-month wait for yeah. that doctor, I will wait because I do think that there's a big difference when mm-hmm. it comes to just doctors in general and knowing how to take care of people. I yeah. feel a lot better mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm taken care of a certain way when it comes to a person of color. Yeah. And I wish I could tell you that you were wrong. I mean, I don't wish. I mean, it, it, what happened happened. There's yeah. just no denying what went ha- what went down. So we both went in for our yes. doctor appointment. I You did have to wait, I think, three months yeah. for your appointment. And I just took whoever was available. I ended up being some white lady. And I mean, yep. she, it is what it is. And um, I went in. I told her, you know, um, I'm trying to start my fertility journey. Uh, I would like to get my follicles checked and my HSG test. Right. And HSG test basically the way I understand it, it's to check um if your body's able to carry a baby. They call it the balloon test. Shove a balloon up kind of and blow it up and then see if it's strong enough to hold a baby and not a fun test. I'll let you know that right now. But necessary. And then hormone sh- levels. And as well. check your hormone levels and to see where you're at for your age. Are you low, which means that could be pretty risky as far as egg count, or are you average, or are you high? you yeah. got some time. Um, and these are all tests that you can ask if you have health insurance, um, depending on your health insurance, that you can ask for, you know, if you're having infertility issues. 
And the criteria for having infertility issues is you just have to try for a year and be unsuccessful about getting pregnant and that technically is covered. Correct. So we have been trying for a year and have been unsuccessful about making a baby. So technically we should fall under that bracket. Right. And we're also married and you were, you were under my health insurance. And so I went to the doctor. I told her, again, have been trying for a year, unsuccessful, write me the slip. And she was like, okay, well, has your husband gotten his sperm count checked and blah, blah, blah. I said, not husband, wife, I'm married. And she denied me. Yeah. And she denied my order form. And she, she said, said you, like, needed, you need, to, bring you need to have a husband. And I was like, that was never stated in any form, in any policy. Like, gay people try to have babies as well. So you're saying, like, only straight people can get infertility treatment. Covered. covered, yes. And that's basically what she was saying. And I was so upset and I walked out of there and I told her, like, they, they can't help us. I'm going to have to try to find a different way. And then you had your and appointment I, still. <laughs> and then I went to my beautiful doctor. Yeah. She was amazing. And I walked in and I immediately said, my wife and I are trying to have a kid. I Like, I need to do my testing. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me and she's like, okay, I can get you your testing, but I need to write up a different code so it looks like you're you've been trying but I can't write that you're infertile because you don't have a male partner but mm -hmm. this is the loophole that we're going to do so you can get your testing and mm -hmm. I swear it's because she's a woman of color yeah. and she understood the struggle and she was just willing to help yeah that the doctor I had could have easily had said and done the sure. same thing but chose not to this and, white women. <laughs> and then your doctor, I can't say what I can't say. It is, it is the, the facts are the facts. And I'm so grateful that you, yeah. you know, stuck it out and waited and went with your doctor. Yeah. And, and she, then I was able to give you code. the code. Um, so then you were able to call mm -hmm. Kaiser and literally she just said the code yeah. and they couldn't deny you nope. your test either. So and It's just so infuriating yes. to have to go through these back doors and these side windows in order to get the same treatment as anyone else. And it's, it was extremely unfair. And not only that, that was just the beginning. It, it was like the warm-up appetizer for the uncomfortability yes. that was going to happen the rest of this experience, yes. which was, again, it was COVID, so we had to go separate. They would never let us go together. Yep. And sure enough, we got our appointments in. And then it was constantly having to come out every single yeah. time to every single doctor because every form not everyone knows about this code right and so they just automatically assume that we're married to a man yeah so when you go in it's always where's, where's your, your husband? husband your husband has how is he doing same thing when I call the doctor how's how's your husband is your husband coming with you is your husband going to be on the mm -hmm. phone no husband constantly every before they even say hi hello it's just like oh will your husband be joining you and it's just this innate insensitivity and just completely makes us feel one that we have to constantly come out for no reason to our medical physicians and that there's just this insensitivity within kaiser and their fertility system that isn't isn't built for us isn't it's it's very obvious that we're not supposed to be here right and you could do a little bit better about hiding it at least or being, you know, it's 2023. 20, be a little bit more inclusive. Yeah. Don't use he, she, like use they and them. Our, our trans friends are also starting a baby and they're non-binary. 
like to have to imagine with them still being misgendered and mm-hmm. mis you know identified with you know within their own fertility journey because we're going through that and yeah. we're obviously femme presenting but you know we're still in the same sex relationship yeah. and it doesn't feel like there's this inclusivity in the space for queer people and queer people of color to get the help that we need that makes it feel like people are genuinely there to help us. And I will and say, if we weren't the people that we are, I can see why a, a same-sex couple would stop yeah. halfway through. It's just so much emotional, I don't know, agony to carry through this entire process that's already hard. Mm-hmm. It just makes it harder. And that time the doctor didn't tell you you Oh, that was horrible. I, the I HSG story, test. I went to my HSG test appointment. And took us six months to get. Everything took six months. <laughs> six yes. months to get an appointment, six months to get another appointment. Yep. And I showed up and I signed my release forms. I got into my little like scrubs, night, scrubs <laughs> ready to go. I was already like prepping because it wasn't going to be a comfortable test. And the nurse comes in and she's like, I see on your file that um, you didn't take a pregnancy test. And I said, no, nobody told me to take a pregnancy test. And I'm also, I'm married to my wife. I'm in a same-sex marriage. I don't think you would need a pregnancy. I would need a pregnancy test. And her automatic response was, well, I can't can't do the test without a negative pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's physically impossible for (laughs) me to be pregnant right now. Like science, the math isn't mathing. Yeah. And I promise you, I'm not pregnant. And we just had this dance back and forth for a good 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're going to have to reschedule this appointment because I we can't do it without this pregnancy test. I don't feel comfortable testing you without knowing that you aren't pregnant. Granted, I waited three months for this test. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to leave that room without the HSG test. And we got into this huge fight. I said, I'm not going to leave this room. You can call security. I'm going to take this test. I am not pregnant. I'm authorizing you to give me this test because I know I'm not pregnant. Mm -hmm. I'm married to a woman. It doesn't make any sense. And she ended up bringing the doctor in. And I was in tears Mm -hmm. telling the doctor, like, how uncomfortable this is, the fact that I have to even state my sexuality during this entire appointment is ridiculous. And I'm not pregnant. And I think she's she realized it was, you yeah. know, I needed this test. So she approved it. She's like, I, I wouldn't do this, but because you're telling me that you're not pregnant, I'm just going to take your word. But if you are like, you know, there's going to be damage in the fetus. I'm like, no, I'm here because I can't get pregnant. Like, <laughs> let, let's just this get is, it going. This is the problem. This is why I'm here. Yeah. It's like a catch 22. And then- I'm so proud of you for standing your ground. And I, I know it's only because we were so emotionally yeah. exhausted of the insensitivity of people not taking our marriage seriously yeah and you just had it you were like I'm, I'm done if they told you beforehand to take a pregnancy test I would have done you it. would have done it 100 it wasn't about the test it was just that you weren't informed yes. about taking the test therefore like I had to wait another three months wait, waiting more time for appointments that we had already waited six months for and all of these things like we were just tired we yeah. were tired of waiting we were tired of the back doors and mm-hmm. you were like, I think at your wits end. I was. You were like, call security. I'm not like, leaving. I'm going to be that crazy 
I'm going to be that crazy woman right now. I'm not leaving. Karina. Look under my hood. <laughs> Just tell me. But you did. You stood your ground yeah. and you got the test. In. I think you had to sign a waiver saying like Yeah, saying I do, I'm not pregnant, so we yeah. can do the test. And the test happened and she tried to make light of it. And so she's <laughs> under there checking and she's like, nope, no baby in here. I'm like, yeah, I've only been preaching that for the last 50 minutes. Oh, that would have been surprising if there was. I know, right? <laughs> Shocker. Virgin Mary over there. <laughs> that's why I'm wearing the Virgin Mary shirt. <laughs> the ultimate mother. But, that's, but I'm really proud of you. And you stood your ground. And you yeah. got your test. No baby in there. And then the test came we back. got our results. Yeah. Yeah. And that was interesting. Very. My results, I'm slightly older than Eden. So my results were okay. They could have been a lot better. But the doctor said, if you want to get pregnant, you have to start like soon, relatively soon. Uh, your HSG came back perfect. Yeah. Like the oven, phenomenal. Yes. I think our, our fertility doctor keeps complimenting how beautiful it is. How beautiful my tree. What yeah, she yeah. calls the tree? Uh, I think she calls it the tree, the tree and the leaves yeah. or something like that. Cookies and the tree. She always uses like cool analogies. Um, but your foundation, phenomenal. Um, it was my your follicle yeah. count and your your basically your hormone level was a bit low for your age yeah um and then I think again getting another appointment I think it took another six months yeah and within that six month time your numbers had dropped significantly very drastically and the doctor said you need to start now yeah and that's when I was like oh shit this wasn't a part of my timeline plan but here we are like good thing we already got the sperm mm -hmm. and that was locked in and then we were like, okay, IVF time. What does that even mean? What, what is the difference like? between IUI and IVF? And, and and there was so much that happened within our own fertility journey. And everything leading up to this moment, I think, really prepared us for IVF. Even though, you know, we went through so many hoops of unexpected things that constantly kept coming up. Mm. So I think what we can hopefully do with our listeners in part two is guide them through what we learned uh, on our journey because there are a lot of different terminologies that mm -hmm. we learned. There's a lot of different lessons that we learned. And anybody looking to start IVF, we can hopefully break it down into the easiest way. Or that IUI. We, or IUI. Um, or just fertility journey in general in a way that we've understood it. Um, and this isn't a path for everyone. This is just our journey and our path and why we decided to do things this way. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be a really good topic and conversation for part two. I didn't know the difference between IVF or IUI when we first started. Mm -hmm. And I think I should just talk about my journey with IVF yeah. since I went first on part two. You are so brave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Don't let <laughs> the tattoos not, fool you. <laughs> that was not a fun experience at all, but yeah. it was totally worth it. Yeah. And I'm excited to just share our knowledge. Yeah, I think I think it'll be very helpful. Um, but until we get to part two, I guess we have some fun stuff that we're going to tell people. Yes, I if you haven't seen it on our page yet. Hey. <laughs> I need to lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> uh, the city of L.A., mm -hmm. big city of L.A., has reached out to us to throw a one-day Preciosa Fest, which means in the summertime, on July 1st, we will take over Pershing Square 
capacity of 5,000 people. (laughs) And we get to throw this festival, which is amazing because I feel like this is our opportunity. Listen, as someone who grew up in the hood with no money, no opportunities whatsoever, to be approached by the city to throw a festival for me means a lot. That means I can showcase all of the queer talent, all of the POC talent that's out there. We rarely get opportunities like this, so I'm just excited that we get to curate and host Mm -hmm. this amazing night. We get to literally, you know, design everything from front to back and throw an unforgettable night and put people at the forefront of (laughs) that, you know, wouldn't get the spotlight. Like people like us, you know, and we're really excited to share this opportunity with other members of our community. Yes. And this is going to be, uh, you know, just a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And we can't wait. So it's happening in the summer. Keep an eye out for Preciosa Fest 2023. Yeah. And if you're a person of color who's an artist, an entrepreneur, um, a singer, business. a small business, a musician, please reach out to us in the DMs. We're looking for all the talent that we can showcase. At EdenXJ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll catch you at the next one. Yeah. This is going to be a very exciting opportunity. And be sure to follow at EdenXJ because we're going to be giving all the updates on, on our pages, letting you guys know first about where you can buy tickets, how yep. you can support, where you can sign up because, mm-hmm, you know, this, mm-hmm. this is as much as our opportunity as it is yours and we're excited to bring it to the community and i just want to show the city what we can do i know i want to see what we can do <laughs> i've never thrown a festival before y'all so wish us luck <laughs> she definitely puts me puts me to the test as far as what dreams i can make happen <laughs> what is the saying that your soulmate normally should push you to do things that you're yeah, not you like do. out of your comfort zone you do that as soon as you wake up <laughs> And with that said, thank you for joining us. We know you you. could be anywhere else, but you decide to spend your one hour with us. Yeah.